0: Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tom Jones calls his mom, who lives in the building that overlooks Columbia. The building that, to me, looks like, you know, a gulag prison. You know, that's, to me, that's what it just looks like. Whoa, it's so gray. It's so formidable. It's just awful. Tom says, look up two floors from the top on the right-hand side. Mom, open the window. She opens the window, and you can hear her sing. (laughs) Oh, what a Right, Michael? Oh, yeah. It's the highlight of my life.
1: This is General George Washington, and you're listening
0: to the Tony Kornheiser Show. It made Tom so happy that we did this. He said he was going over last night to visit his mom and play this
2: for her. Oh, isn't that great? You know, he so was that's... so happy when, when you called his mom's apartment a prison. <laughs> well, I love I you. Know. you walked it back a little bit. To me. Just yeah. to me. You know, it's, the architecture is
0: 19th century gulag architecture, It's <laughs> is very weird. Michael Kornheiser is here. Nigel is here. We're sitting at Uncle Benny's table, and I have such great news. Such great news. <laughs> A couple of emails make me so happy today. I don't usually do this to get to the emails right away, but they make me so happy. Here we go. Ian Warrington, who, as we know, is an emergency room doc at Sibley. That's right. And who's also a fabulous musician and has played us a tune that makes us very, very happy with multiple instruments in it. Ian Warrington writes this. No music to share today, but I've got something else you might find amusing. I know your audience is always eager to hear commentary on the residential parking scene in Upper (laughs) Northwest D.C., so I figured I'd provide some content. As of Tuesday morning, that is yesterday morning, there is a large trailer parked on 45th Street Northwest next to the Washington (laughs) International Church. I'll let you guess the license plate. I don't know. I'm going to guess Pennsylvania. As it's currently in plain view of a rather busy road, you may be receiving other updates. But if anyone wants to play the trailer version of Hide the Boat, (laughs) per your recent mailbag suggestion, I figured I'd get my submission in early. And he sends pictures attached. And the trailer has been furbished. The trailer has been painted all gray now. Yes, no, no. It is not nearly as hideous as it was with partially white and partially gray. It is all gray. And it is sitting there alone without any way of leaving the scene (laughs) unless it gets towed it's just sitting there so these kids who were you know moving this thing around
2: they're on gap years dad yeah they're not they haven't left the area yet they
0: haven't left the area
2: what's so nice is the paint job now matches the neighborhood because that's a that's a nicer that's a nice neighborhood (laughs) yes chris comrack Tony, the RV
0: is not gone. This has to be it, right? He sends a picture. There can't possibly be two crappy RVs floating around Northwest D.C. It showed up last night near the corner of 45th and Ellicott Street Northwest. Your 40 feet of fun is now my neighborhood's nightmare. What a piece of junk and eyesore. Thanks, Tony. Signed,
2: Chris. How great is this? How great is this? It's getting close to my neighbor and I'm getting nervous.
0: This thing is going to be towed around. You know, from block to block to block. It's never going to be parked on the kid's block. Oh, never. He's never going to park it on his own well, block. Well, he lives just well, over there. Yeah, he
3: just lives just down the street. So I'm just parking it here for just a, just a minute or two. Well, now it's out of
0: Ward 4. That's now true. Now it's in Ward 3, right? Or is yeah, it 2? That's is it Ward two three. Or 3. Ward 3. So, now it's, so now, it's, now it's not Janice's problem. Now it's Mary Che's problem. Yeah. You know, let's see what she does about it. See how that works out. <laughs> um, I could talk about baseball. I don't know what I know. The scores last night. <clears throat> Nigel, as a Red Sox fan, is upset. Chris Sale got beat last yes. night. Yes, the Red Sox are now one game clear. Still, I think half, a half a game, game. A half game up, half on, game over, over Toronto sur- or half a game Mariners. over Seattle. Too. Seattle over Seattle. The Yankees won last night, which they had to do in Toronto hey, to maintain Jays, yeah. to maintain their position at the top of the food chain. Seattle won again last night. It gets closer. The bottom three teams get a little bit closer. Okay, but at who, this are your, point. who are your last five games against? Uh, Baltimore and Washington. Baltimore and yeah, Washington. So you, you have. You should win. You have room. Of course They should win. I went on PTI yesterday, when I was asked this question, who's going to be in? My first team was Boston. I said, look at their schedule. Look at the dregs they're playing. Well, Baltimore's got the worst record in the American League, and the Nationals, since uh, the trade deadline, have the worst record in the National League. Yeah. Well, well, maybe not. Maybe well, interestingly goes.
2: enough, since Schwarber's injury, yeah. I guess that was like the July Fourth week. He's been brilliant. Schwarber's great, success.
3: yeah, he's been terrific. But when you lose, when you have Chris Sale on the mound, you lose to the worst team, like you know, Baltimore. It doesn't bode but well. the O's do hit home runs. Yeah. Well, you think they're going to not make it, right? I have strong suspicions that they will be in the outside <laughs> looking in, as I've suspected with this team. Who all do you look. think will
0: get in, Toronto or Seattle? Uh, Seattle's hot at the right time. As yeah, is, th- look at St. Louis. Yeah, Louis in a row. Yeah. Seventeen row, you know all of you people who said, "Oh, the Padres, the Padres." No, no, St. Louis. I
3: forget. I think Toronto has to play Tampa to close out the season. If they do, then I would definitely say Seattle. I think Seattle in general will probably take it. Um, You know,
0: well that would. You know why that would be good? Because they have the longest playoff drought of any team in any sport in North America. It's twenty years. Oh, didn't 20 years since they've been in the playoffs. Wow, Seattle—that's the longest drought. Oh, that
2: would so be that good. would be good. He thinks the Red Sox again. He just doesn't plus, want to jinx it. Dave <laughs> Sims, legitimately Dave think Sims
0: does good. their games. So yeah, friend Dave Sims does their yeah. games. So that's so we root for Dave Sims to get paid more. <laughs> I mean, I assume the more games you do, they got to throw a little bonus money your way. Yeah, one would I would assume. Yeah, um, the yeah. Nats played. La- the Nats lost last night. Corbin was okay. But they
2: lost. Well, doesn't that just hard tell to you watch. where we are right now? He was okay. It's hard to watch. They're, they're, well, Alonso yeah, is having the greatest month ever.
3: Yeah, it's, it's just hard to watch. These are the games that are the toughest
2: because it's at the very end. There's no hope. And
0: anything. having Boston come in normally would be a wonderful thing because Washington would be contending for a playoff spot. And now they're not. Yeah. Now they're not.
2: No, it's, it's much easier to, to pay attention to what's happening to the Phillies and the Braves to see if the Braves can just win one more and sort of get to that number, I think it would be.
0: Well, the Braves won last night. Yeah, two-one. One more, yeah, one more, and and that's over. That's effectively over. So um, I should get to this topic. Uh, On ESPN last night, there was a one-hour show, apparently, and I say apparently because I didn't watch it, apparently chronicling the 20-year history on air of the PTI program. And you say, well, why didn't you watch it, Tony? I couldn't watch it. I wouldn't watch it. Um, my feeling all along about this was it feels like a memorial to me, not like a celebration. I didn't want to get involved. in it. It's just me. I didn't want to get involved. I did get involved in it. I sat down. I was interviewed by Pablo Tori, who I love. I did that. Did it at Columbia. I'm happy that I did it, but I didn't really want to watch it because in my DNA is this. Yeah. Six months from now, they'll just say, get off the show. We're bringing somebody new in if we keep the show at all. And we gave you the celebration, so what's your problem? My children watched it. My daughter liked it a lot and said she really liked it a lot. I have not asked my son. I know he watched it. What did you think? So
2: I the short answer is I loved it. I watched it with my wife. We Tivo uh we DVR'd it. We don't you don't don't use Tivo anymore, but we recorded it and that is part of as you go back to the DNA of the show and why I think it was so wildly successful in that mid 2000s period because it matched where technology was. We always talk about the the preview line that you see on the right side, but being able to come Eric, back to it change television. and enjoy the show on your own schedule after the kids went to bed meant everything for us. So I loved it. It's weird to be able to watch something like this and sit back and just truly understand how powerful something that your dad has done. I, I, come, I call you Tony and everything, That's fine. but when I was watching this, you were my dad. And it's odd because it's something that was just always there. It's, dad, how was PTI? How was the show? And that, when I sit back, you go, it's so weird to ask your dad, how was TV? How was something where it's I was a real job? my dad with you know, close to a million people uh, as they're going through their daily lives as well? And uh you know, I look back at it now as as an older son, but as someone who started to to see the different parts of yourself it's impossible not to know when the show started, which was the you know nine eleven yeah and as ahead. we've as we've been sort of processing that the last month, I go you know, I was too young to really see how you were going through your professional life as you were dealing with this really interesting but challenging new job, this new possibility as you're also trying to deal with nine eleven and and just sort of the the Onset of that show. So it was wonderful to see. It was a little weird knowing that I was going to come over here in, you know, 12 hours after watching this and that you're still doing this show and it still is great. Well, maybe,
0: maybe today. Maybe we'll do and the one weird, today. You know,
2: the weird thing is <laughs> when you come back to family, you have sort of this time stamped picture of your dad. And so much for me is, is as I've been an adult, is this mid-2000s you know, 2000s versions of dads so when I see those old clips, I'm going, I don't even remember that guy anymore. To me, that's the same picture. And Liz and I are stopping going, that's the picture. We have that picture of, of Dad and Wilbon in the house. Uh, so I was incredibly proud to watch that. And then if we're playing What's the Word, what's the word when I see this? It's family. My wife worked on this show. Yeah. When I see the clips of the old studio, uh, it, it's family. I see reality when he's young, when he's figuring out that job, when I see the interviews... Uh, with Ride Home talking about his relationship with you and and Mike and and going through the the interviewing process. That's a side of the show that we never got uh, because why would we? We were kids at the same time and to see Matt and Shannon, uh, you know, it's impossible not to come back to Liz, my wife Liz and I first started dating, and we thought we were being so secretive because we didn't want the whole PTI family to know. And Shannon just looks at this one, uh, Matt and Shannon just go, we saw you holding hands at Bethesda. Everyone knew. <laughs> Everyone knew. Uh, so we're, we're just sort of going through all these small little moments. When I saw the, the old clips of you doing TV or, or radio, and I'd see the, the old Tropicana carton, uh, there are just these small little symbols that were... Very meaningful to me, but uh, but it was family. It, this was, Liz put it onto her social the other day, sharing the, the tease of this, going, she never realized at the time how important this show was going to be for her life, and we look at now having two boys and seeing where, you know, the extended family, I mean, Matt and Shan's kids, like, they're going off to college now. Yeah, the next year, Dean will go off to college, go
0: off to Columbia, yeah. So, um, I didn't see it. Will I see it eventually? I'm sure I will see it eventually. I'm sure somebody will give me a copy and I'll sit in a room and I'll start to cry. There's no question. Um, Look, I've, I've said this a thousand times. The only thing I ever wanted to be in my life was a newspaper sports writer. I knew that when I was five and six and seven years old, that's what I wanted to be. And I did that. So this is, this is gravy. I didn't, I didn't think it would last and I'm sure I I'm quoted on this in the show. I mean, I just thought you got to be kidding. Look <laughs> at us. We, we're not TV. It's not it's not ever going to work and it worked. And I will say that um I'm enormously proud to be on this show. I'm not enormously and I want to I want to make the distinction. I got a lot of emails last night from friends I got a lot of texts. I don't give out my number to a lot of people, but a, a large percentage of people that I knew commented on how much they liked this show, for which I am very, very grateful. And they understood completely that I wasn't going to watch it. You know, and they know that I will eventually. I'm enormously proud. It's not, I, I'm not enormously proud of my work on the show. I mean, you know I, Mike and I do a good job. We're good at this. We didn't know we were going to be good at this, but our training... Our training as generalists in the sports world, not journalists, that too, but generalists, so we know a little bit about a lot of things, enables us to do this show. We have this stamped on our brains over 40 years of working, in my case, 50 years of working about sports and loving sports. I can do this. I didn't, I didn't know that I could, but it doesn't surprise me that I could do It, it doesn't surprise me that Mike can do it. But I'm enormously proud of, of the work of the show. I'm enormously proud of, you know, working with Ride Home and Kelleher uh, and all the people that have been with the show for a long time. And most people on this show have been there a long time. Uh, Bonnie was there from the beginning. Matta was there very close to the beginning. You know, Frankie was there very close to the beginning, booking acts and stuff like that. So... I don't know that I would use the word family, but I feel very close to them. And I will say this about the show. And this is the, this is the bragging part. Uh, if they ever come to write the history of sports television in America, and I don't know that that advances Western civilization at all. I really don't. But if they do, they're going to have to say that the best daily show in sports ever was PTI. Ever. I mean, it really is. I've been doing it 20 years That's a very, very long time. And nobody's ever said, get out. And people still watch. And we, Mike and I, are still pretty much the same people that we were before. The relationship is pretty much the same. Um, And we're not, at least I'm not, and I don't think Mike is either, we're not hot take artists. okay? Because we're trained as journalists to look at all sides of an issue before we give an opinion. The skill at writing a column is not so much what you advocate for, but to be able to blunt those people on the other side who say, well, what about this? And you have an answer for that. You have to consider the totality of an issue. And that, when you do that, sort of mitigates against being a hot take artist. You know, because those people are just sort of screaming about their opinions. And when you write a column, it may sound like your decibel level is high, but you've considered all of the angles of it and you have enough intellectual firepower to defuse those things which people will come at you with. Because you thought about it. And I think that the show is, reason- I want it to be entertaining. Entertainment is everything. I want you to, you know, smile here and there and think here and there. Make you laugh, make you cry. That's, that's what everybody strives for. But, but the whole of it is that, that we present ourselves as people with a certain amount of credentials in this area. And if we don't, we say, we oh, don't know anything about this. Like, other people don't do that on television. Mike and I often say, I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. And then you try to sort out your thinking on the air. And, and, you know, I just think, I think it's a really, I actually think it's a great show for what it is. And the fact that it's been around for this long just means that we're both old. I got this lovely note from Don Graham yesterday, which started out, You are really old. (laughs) Yeah. And we've been doing it a long time. It was not the path that we chose in our lives. It was not. It's just what happened. Um, It just, you know, and, and that's why, and that sort of helps you not take it as seriously as other people might take it because it's not the exact path that you chose. I'm really happy that my daughter liked the show. I'm really happy that my son liked the show, the special. And I guess I'll, I mean, I guess I'll watch it. I think I'm going to have to be pretty plastered to watch this thing. <laughs> to
2: hear the clips from your colleagues, you know, journalists that you respect, I think you will really enjoy just seeing that it got to that audience. Because you always see the affirmation from, you know, sports fans when you walk into sure. a golf course, when you walk sure. to a restaurant, you hear Which that. It's nice. See, it's a wonderful thing.
0: I mean, all of that recognition is wonderful. Let me just tell you, Carol's sitting here now. So let me tell, I, I think, the definitive story of, of what it's like, what that recognition is like. We're having dinner one night, the Palm downtown, probably eight people at the table. Somebody comes over, a woman comes over, wants to talk about PTI. We begin to talk for a little while and then she, you know, kneels down right, right by the table and continues to talk and continues to talk. And Carol says something like, you know, we're having dinner here. And I look at Carol and put my hand up and I go, I'd I'd say the woman, hold on one second. I I'd say to Carol how do you think we got the table? (laughs) How do you think we got the table? I mean, that's what happens. That's what television gives you. It gives you the good table. I'm going to miss that like crazy. (laughs) We will take a break. When we come back, speaking of great television shows, Rich Podolsky will join us. He has written a book about the single greatest pregame show of all time. The book is called You Are Looking Live. It's a CBS pregame football show with Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek and Irv Cross and Phyllis George. And Podolsky will join us and talk about it when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a new ad, Michael. This is called Word Tune. Very excited for this one. I've never seen the copy. I'm going to read it, and you can help fill in some of the blanks. Every year, U.S. businesses waste over $400 billion dollars That's $400 billion because bad writing causes confusion, misses the mark, or just takes too long to get to the point. On the flip side, better writing also helps businesses win and impress customers, enhance brand perception, improve internal communication, and strengthen relationships with critical partners. Better, faster writing means better business, which is why your team needs WordTune for Teams. It's a huge deal here. My listeners that want to improve their entire team's right now, WordTune Teams is 50% off. 50% off. That's a good deal. Michael, do you, you know about this. You yeah, know Yeah, so what's so Tune. great is if
2: you go back to the open and hear the way that you described getting into a column and the different takes you have to, to predict to understand, there's a power and a privilege to getting somebody to come to your side to see your thinking. Yeah. And this is going to help your team uh, share their thinking. WordTune improves
0: writing efficiency up to four times. Better, faster writing means better business. When can your team use WordTune? WordTune improves performance on any project, everything from internal emails to press releases, sales outreach to customer service support, and so much more. You can use WordTune anywhere when you're writing online, including Google Docs, Slack, Outlook Web, and WhatsApp. I have no idea what that sentence Liz, means. Liz is always None. on the slack with her no small team. No idea what that sentence <laughs> Always on the slack. But <laughs> this is the important part. Right now, my <laughs> listeners can get 50% off WordTune for Teams at WordTune.com slash Tony. If you want to see the benefit of WordTune, you can try WordTune for free at WordTune.com slash Tony. But the 50% discount is only available for a limited time and only available for Teams. You might never see a discount like this again. Your team can start writing better right away for 50% off. That's half price at wordtune.com slash Tony. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show.
4: Tony Kornheiser Show. Put yourself in my shoes.
0: This is Mardi Gras. We played their stuff before. They're in Rome, Italy. (laughs) I don't know how they listen. I don't know how they found us. Reader's Digest, which I didn't even know was still in existence, said they're one of seven European acts to watch for. This is a single called Shoes, a rock soul track produced by Sante, Sabatini, and Mardi Gras, written and arranged and performed by Mardi Gras. Please keep sending us your music. I mean, this is good, right? Please do that, Mardi Gras, all the way from Rome. And again, not Rome, George, not Rome, New York, Rome, Italy. Earlier I said that... Um, I praised the show that I was on, and I said we were going to bring on Rich Podolsky, who has worked for the greatest single pregame show ever in the history of sports, the CBS pregame NFL show, the name of which escapes me, but it is known, the name of the book is You Are Looking Live. Brent Musburger used to say that all the time. That was the introduction to the show on Sunday morning, You Are Looking Live, and there was Brent... And there was Phyllis George, and there was Jimmy the Greek Snyder, and there was Irv Cross. It's the best show ever of its type in all sports. You know, you worked on it. You know that, right? There's never been anything as good as that show. Uh, Exactly.
5: You know, except maybe PTI.
0: Well, Uh, I don't know.
5: The the, uh, history of PTI last night was sensational. It's so nice to see you looking so young again.
0: Yeah, that's that. just in the, in the way in the rearview mirror. It doesn't look like that normally. Rich, who put the show together? Whose idea was it to cast it the way it was cast? And what was your part on the show in the early days?
5: Uh, I got there in 1977, uh, and I was a, a writer on the show for a few years. But in 1975... Uh, CBS's pregame show, uh, which was called the NFL Today, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it took a dramatic turn when Bob Wessler came in as the new head of CBS Sports. He was uh, a young executive. He was a visionary. Uh, He had a lot of equity built up with the the network. He had uh, previously uh, been the general manager at the Chicago-owned station and took it from number four to number one in news and before that, he ran CBS's special events unit. And he was still in his 30s when he came to CBS Sports. Um, he had this vision of not only having a live show, but putting on a, a woman on it. Uh, not just any woman, but a former Miss America. Putting a, a black uh, uh, analyst on it. And that was her, of course, of course. And then he had brought in Brent Musburger from Chicago station. Brent was virtually an unknown at the time nationally. And a year later, he had the guts, the chutzpah, to bring the Greek on to talk about point spreads and gambling when Pete Rozelle and the NFL were dead set against it. Um, The the show was enormously popular. Um, You have to remember back in 1975, there were only three channels, three stations, ABC, CBS, and NBC, for the most part, Uh, There was no cable. ESPN was six years away. There was no internet. uh, Unless you had an AP ticker in your living room and you were a football fan, you had no way to get up-to-date news. Uh, The NFL today, on the other hand, it was so new and so fresh and so vibrant. It came on live with them showing the stadiums. And the reason Brent said you were looking live, it was for the gamblers uh, so they would know what the the weather was. the show's ratings took off and it was not only good for CBS, it was great for the NFL because it expanded their fan base and helped the league overtake major league baseball as America's number one sport.
0: So Wessler very specifically had an image in mind. It was an integrated show and it was a show with a woman and it was a show with a gambler. That was his very specific image to begin with. Uh, He,
5: he, uh, I'm not sure that he had the gambler in mind in the very beginning, because the Greek didn't join the show until the next year in 1976. Right. But uh, the, the Greek uh, uh, was well-known. He was probably the the most well-known of the four of them. Uh, he had, at the time, a syndicated column in th- over 300 newspapers. He had a syndicated radio show. He was famous for winning a million dollars Way back in 1948, betting on Harry Truman to win the election, uh, which is a, a great story in the book. Um, the, the Greek uh, was going to bring a lot more people to the set, uh, especially the gamblers, just to hear what he had to say, whether he was right or not. He, he was probably he probably became more famous for his getting it wrong that uh, the Jets were a 17-point underdog to the Colts. In in Super Bowl three, than if he had gotten it right.
0: So I will say this for people who are listening who can't imagine this: you need to understand that every sports league put its hand out and said no gambling, no gambling. We're not involved with gambling, even though gambling is what made all sports. And for CBS to put a gambler on, and he was a that's what he was, whether he was good at it or not. He was and identified himself as a gambler, Jimmy the Greek Snyder. For them to do that, it seems to me they had to have the deal with Roselle, you know, the, the back-channel deal, and, and and the rest of it became hypocrisy. Am I right on this, Rich?
5: I, I believe they did have a back-channel deal with sure. Roselle, but publicly, Roselle yeah. was against gambling, and in fact, he had testified before Congress uh, recently, before the uh, Greek came on the show, he had testified that only two percent of the viewers actually bet on the games. And when a CBS publicist, Bino Cook, heard him say that, Bino's response was, "Well, if that's true, they all live on my block."
0: <laughs> Bino's, I love Bino Cook. Yeah, no, uh, that was so. It's it's a great show. Everybody knows it's a great show. There are stories of Brent and and the Greek actually getting in a fistfight. These are true, I'm sure. But was there tension on the set? Because it never looked like there was tension on the set.
5: For the most part, they all got along famously. Um, and there was too much at stake, uh, really. Uh, because when, the first year, the show won 13 Emmy Awards. The, the ratings... became equivalent to primetime ratings today. Um, Unbelievable. And everybody's salaries went up. So there was just too much at stake for there to be a lot of tension on the set. The only tension that was involved was the fact they only had 22 minutes to share. And everybody wanted their share of their time. And the Greek was usually the one who got cut out at the last minute. Brent was the managing editor on the set. He had control, if there was an extra 20 or 30 seconds, whether to throw it to Phyllis for a comment or to Irv for a last-second analysis or the Greek for a point-spread comment. Uh, and the Greek usually lost that battle, and he constantly complained about it. And five years into his stint at CBS, in October of 1980, uh, that came, came to a head when uh, he and Brent went at it at Pear Tree's uh, Restaurant Bar in New York.
0: Tremendous. They got an actual fight. You're on that. Look, I know a lot of people who did this show. Uh, everyone on the show, I basically knew at one point or another. When you're sitting there and you're working, did you know how good this show was?
5: To, to be very honest with you, I, I didn't. I, it was just uh, a normal for me sitting there watching it week in and week out. Uh, I was not privy to how bad things were before 1975 for the viewer because I was out covering uh, NFL football games. Yeah. So yeah. when I came to the show, it was already in its current format. Um, it, w- it was a great show. It was tremendous fun. Uh, the people were sensational, uh, you know, on Mondays. Uh, Bob Fishman, the Greek, and I would go to Belmont Racetrack. Uh, I mean, who could ask for a better job?
0: Was that... Now, the name of the book is You Are Looking Live. And again, that is what Brent said to open the show all the time. And and Brent, who's a stone-cold gambler and and now is happy in Las Vegas just gambling all the time or talking about gambling all the time, was that... Brent was a writer. Brent was a columnist in Chicago. He was a very, very good writer. You asked Wilbon about that. Was that his phrase, or did someone give it to him? You are looking live.
5: That was his phrase. That happened very early, the first season, 1975. Uh, They were sitting around in a production meeting, Brent, Phyllis, uh, Irv, Michael Pearl, the producer, and Bob Fishman, the director. Uh, They were sitting around, and Fishman commented that he had some friends who were gamblers who wanted to know what the weather was. And then Brent, Brent thought about it for a second and said, you know, when we do that whip around at the beginning, when we show the stadiums, instead of just showing the stadiums, I can say you are looking live at Soldier Field in Chicago, or you were looking live at Vet Stadium in Philadelphia. And boom, they were off and running. Uh, it, w- it was uh, an inside tip to the gamblers. This is what the weather is. And you could bet on the over or the under or whoever. Uh, it, and it definitely brought more people to the show.
0: Brent is the only survivor out of those four. He's the only one. Rich, do you talk to him much? Did you must you obviously talk to him in for writing the book?
5: I tried to reach Brent several times and he did not respond. Unfortunately, I would have loved to have him really? participate in this. Uh, Brent was the glue of the show. Yeah. Um and you know, I just loved working with him. Uh, uh, terrific, terrific. He was never better than as a studio host. Never. There was uh, Jim Nance, in the foreword of this book, said that Brent is the greatest studio host of all time.
0: Oh, I, I totally agree. I'll tell you a great little story. I was working at the New York Times, so this is about 1978, and I get a call from Van Gordon Sauter, who was at that time the head of CBS Sports, and Van Gordon Sauter told me something that I remember to this day, about the intricacies of television. I said I was, he wanted me to write for television. I said, I'm really, I don't understand television. And he looked at me and no one will get this now because there are remote controls. But in those days there were no remote controls. He says, you don't understand television. Here's all you have to understand. Turn it to the right, it gets louder. <laughs> I mean, that, was, that was all you have to understand. He offered me a job writing for Brent. I'm writing at the New York Times now. It doesn't get any better writing at the New York Times. gets equal writing at the Washington Post, but doesn't get any better. And I said, what do you mean writing for Brent? And he says, you write for Brent. I said, well, like... Brent was a writer. You want me to write like you're looking live? And he said, yeah, we want you to write that whole thing out. And I said, no, I'm not taking this job. <laughs> you know, it wasn't for me. I mean, as you know, Rich, everybody in, in newspaper writing looked down at television at that point and thought it was you know, not as good as what they were doing. But I, I remember that so well because I remember thinking that Brent could always write his own stuff. Nobody had to write for him. That Brent was, in my mind, Rich, a singular talent. I believe that now. A singular talent. I'm sure you must believe that.
5: He, he was a terrific writer. Uh, there's, a, there's a great story. When uh, Brent came back uh, after making big news at the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City, uh, WBBM hired him, uh, hired him uh, to be their sports guy on radio first. And the, the guy who hired him was Van Gordon Sauter. And okay. Van offered him more than double of his current salary at the Chicago American, where he was making 13500 a year as a columnist. And he loved being a columnist there. And uh, so he goes into his sports editor and hoping that his sports editor will come close to matching the, ju- uh, the, the uh, pay that Sauter offered him. And when his sports editor heard this, he said, you're out of your mind, you're crazy, Nobody gives up a, a column in the uh, Chicago area, and of course Brent did.
0: <laughs> he did, and he God went on. He did. Uh, he did, and went on to make millions. on it Look, the name of the Within book is "You Year Are Year Looking Even Live." Sports
5: director at WBBM TV.
0: Wilbon adored him as a kid growing up in Chicago. He adored him. He adored Bob Green, and he adored Mike Royko more than more than all of them. Thank you very much for coming on. The name of the book is "You Are Looking Live." I have read most of this book. I. I know all the people, but I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Good luck with it, Rich. Thank you. Thanks so much, Tony. Rich Podolsky, boys and girls, we will take a break. Chuck Todd will pick some games when we return as we get back to the meat and potatoes of this particular show. And I am Tony Kornheiser. This is
1: the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony
0: Kornheiser show. This is a Zip Recruiter ad. There are some things in life that everybody likes to pick out for themselves, right? Like cuts of steak mattresses and bottles of wine. I don't know how you get mattresses. (laughs) I just don't. What if you could do the same for hiring? Choose your ideal candidate before they even apply. And that's where ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply comes in. It gives you as the hiring manager the power to pick your favorites from top candidates. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. How does it work? When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send you the most qualified people for your job. Then you can easily review the candidates and invite your top choices to apply for your job. Uh, Lauren Webb, who's the Senior Vice President of Talent Acquisition for Mindula Health. There's a quote from her. I love the feature because we have a much higher follow-through rate if I invite the candidates. It's easy for me. It's easy for them. In fact, according to ZipRecruiter's internal data, jobs where employers use ZipRecruiter's invite to apply gets, on average, two and a half more candidates, two and a half times more candidates, which helps make for a faster hiring process. See for yourself. Just go to this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. You can try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Odell Shannon here. I was to say, right? The runaway. Little echo Odell. This is Steve Lipton. This is Lovers, Liars, and Clowns. He wrote this. He sings it, and he writes this. When one creates a song and imagines it as a duet, could you get any luckier than to have K.J. Onstead agree to sing along with you? Eat it, Fuse, or something like that. <laughs> On second thought, if I could have gotten Jason Fuse to sing my part, I'd have gladly sat this one out. Um, he's going to be playing bass with the Screaming Trojans. They're backing Mark Bryan from Hootie and the Blowfish Yeah. on Friday, October 15th at the Ramshead On Stage in Annapolis. Tickets are going fast, even though we start at 8, way past Mr. Tony's bedtime. This is Steve Lipton. You can listen to this at the end of the show when I won't be talking over it. And you owe yourself and Steve to listen to it. Michael, if people want to send... Original music like Steve Lipton does. How do they do it?
2: Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. And he plays in Chuck Todd.
0: And Chuck had a bad week last week. Chuck was 2-5, and five, lost the last two games on the board that we gave him. Do you want to explain your bad week, or do you just want to forget about it and dump it?
6: Yeah, well, other than uh, I, I, uh, I'm disappointed in my bad week with you. But I'm still like on cloud nine on a 66-yard field goal that swung three teasers for me and made it
1: yeah. Yeah.
6: worth four figures, and I'll just leave it at that. I mean, that was—I've never been so excited about a 66-yard field goal, and I'd have enjoyed it if I didn't have a few dollars on it. But it was a—a—I had Baltimore and a bunch of teasers, and they were seven and a half, and it went down to one and a half, so that two points was everything. I'm—I'm I'm sure I'm not alone. His kick—they're going to be people that named children after Justin Tucker because of how well, much money he may have won them.
0: <laughs> he's been kick. the best he's been the best kicker in the NFL for five or six or seven years. He's gonna actually yeah. go to the Hall of Fame. He's gonna be one of those kickers. Nobody's a ever mine. kicked sixty six.
6: Texas a Buddy Money's a big Texas longhorn guy. I didn't, I didn't realize it was a longhorn. He goes, you know, he's basically on the Mount Rushmore of twenty first century Texas longhorn athletes. He goes, It's Kevin Durant, Justin Tucker and Justin Speet and he goes, and we've had nobody else <laughs> It yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's about
0: it. nobody's kicked 66, and nobody hits the bar and goes over. Everybody oh hits God. the bar and falls back. He hit oh the bar and went over. Like, I, I, I watched that live on the Red Zone. It was great. And what I don't even like Baltimore. So.
6: What didn't we get on Red Zone? You got that kick. You got the kick six coming back. The yeah, I got way. the
0: 109. Yeah, I got everything. The only thing red I'm complained
6: about, is, are you aware of the dog meat that is on Thursday night? I mean, they you know, we're going to find the worst game and we're going to make you suckers watch here. They're bad
0: teams. They're bad teams. It's Cincinnati and Jacksonville. But and there's always a but but. you get to watch the last two overall number one picks and you get to see if you see like I think Burrow is going to be great. Me, I think so. I don't know about Trevor Lawrence yet. That's the only intrigue in that show because the teams are terrible. They're terrible teams. Oh, let's move on. The, uh,
6: I need to watch the monkey broadcast for that because that'll be much more interesting than the real one. But anyway. The
0: monkey and the whole family, like the Manning family. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Manning. it great. You had all the monkeys do it. It was awesome. Monkey <laughs> night football is what we call it around here. All right, here we go. Caroline is getting five at Dallas. The quarterback for Dallas, Dak Prescott, actually looks like he's worth the money. He he was he has been terrific so far. Caroline is three and zero. Oh, Christian McCaffrey is not going to play for them. They are a suspect 3 and 0 because it's led by Sam Darnold, but you don't know because if it's just the Jets, Sam Darnold could end up being great. Five's a fairly big number. This is not a divisional game, but Dallas has looked very good lately. Who you got?
6: And, but, but a short week. Yes, Dallas is at, home, they, is at home, but a short week. I'm a big Matt Rule fan. I think, you know, I think he is one of the best uh, young coaches. In the game, I think he's the next Jimmy Johnson. I think this guy not only knows how to coach on the game, but knows how to talent recruit. I love the, I think, five too much. And I think Carolina's defense is good enough to keep us a field goal. So uh, why uh, I've been rolling with Carolina so far, I'm not going to stop.
0: Okay, Minnesota is at Cleveland. Cleveland is a good team. Minnesota has a bad record, but they've been in position to, one of the games they should have won, one of the games they did win, Kirk Cousins has given you what you paid for. He's put his team in yeah. position to win late in the game. This is a pretty good game. Minnesota plus two at Cleveland.
6: You know, what's interesting here is they're saying on a neutral site, Minnesota would be favored. Think about that. Really? If you buy the three-point
0: move. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. No, you, I see you know, yeah.
6: And I, I just, that, that to me, that scares me. There's something, there's something weird with this line because it's begging you to take Cleveland at home. You think, Cleveland by a field goal? Cleveland's gonna yeah. be by a field goal. And I look and I think they've been, you know, kind of they've they've just been chugging along. They're doing just fine. I, I'm gonna be on Cleveland side because I think they're a better team, but that that line scares me for some reason. It's like somebody must know something. So I need to do some research, but I'll go Cleveland for you.
0: Let's get to the next game. Normally we wouldn't give you games, West Coast games, but this is gonna be a desperation game for Seattle. Seattle's mm-hmm. one and two. They're in the toughest division in all of the NFL. It's at San Francisco. San Francisco, a team you thought would win because they always win in that particular matchup. San Francisco did not win. They're coming off a loss. Seattle is one and two, as I said. Seattle is getting two and a half at San Francisco in a very intriguing game. Who you got?
6: Uh, You're right. I think there's a desperation here uh, with Russell Wilson. I, I, uh, by the way, Packers played. They defensively played a really good game, and it may be that San Francisco's finally run out of running backs because uh, they did seem to have a challenge there. I'll go with the desperate team in Seattle. Um, just because as you rightly point out, one in threes one and three would be that, catastrophic for them.
0: Not in that division. Can't have but it in that division. Maybe Russell, maybe Russell Wilson wanted to
6: be traded for a reason. Maybe he saw something. Maybe this team is 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 in worse shape than
0: we realize. So you will take Seattle though. I'm gonna You'll take, take two and a half.
6: For the okay. for the uh yeah, gotta win it.
0: Baltimore is at Denver. Denver is 3-0. Denver has beaten teams whose aggregate record is 0-9. The Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars may be the worst three teams in all of football. So Denver's 3-0 is, hold on a second, I don't know. I don't know. Look at who they've played. They've given up no points. Like 21, 26 points. They're number one rated defense in the whole league. But again, they're playing against offenses that are dreadful. Baltimore has found ways to win a couple of games this year that you didn't think they would be able to do on the road. Boy, Justin Tucker and Mile High could probably just, kick uh, it 68. Uh, yeah, yeah, he could probably was, yeah. Baltimore was, uh, Baltimore we, 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 getting one and a half which strikes me as insane. But okay, who you got?
6: Why is it insane that they're getting points? Undefeated Denver,
0: you know. Well, Den- Denver is 3 and 0 and have had a good defense. I I don't I mean, like you could look at Denver and you could say they find that Bridgewater has been very good and their defense has always been good. So
6: he does look, I mean, he's, you should see his record against the spread, by the way, Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, it is, if you blindly bet him when he starts, if you're, 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 uh, you're, you're living, you're living pretty large. Uh, I'm going to, I'm a believer in, in Denver here a little bit. And Man, Baltimore, it feels like they, this is the second time they've had to go across the country, right? They had Vegas two weeks ago, then yep. back. This is kind of a brutal start to their schedule. Stick the Chiefs in there as well. Uh, I'm going to bet that the uh, altitude and the schedule catches up with them this week. Uh, so give me the Broncos and Teddy.
0: I would go the other way, but that's just me. Tampa Bay is mm-hmm. at New England, a game that everybody wants to see. Tampa Bay is favored by six and a half. Coming out of a loss, they would have been favored by more if the Rams hadn't beaten them. Um, you know, it, it, this is Brady and Belichick. I mean, everybody wants to see it. It's a game, honestly, that, that I, I don't know how it's going to end, though it seems to me the Bucks have a significantly better team and that Brady's motivation will be as high as he's ever had, and he is an insanely motivated human being. Will you give the six and a half?
6: Uh, after you know, I'm surprised you didn't want to talk about how bad the Patriots were last week. They they didn't look like they were very bad. no. Yeah, they didn't look very good. They looked nope. kind of lethargic.
0: And uh, a couple of people said they quit late. You know.
6: Yeah, yeah. It, it was a it it. it you know, anyway, I, I look. I think this is a low line, and I think this is a Belichick respect line, and this thing should be well over a touchdown. Uh, give me the bucks. I, yeah, I think
0: that too. He, I, I'm surprised yeah. it wasn't eight. I was surprised it wasn't 8. And I'm sure right if they had beaten the Rams.
6: The yeah. I think you're right about it. Had they beaten the Rams, this thing is 8. Yeah, But then again, yeah. I think we all thought the Patriots were going to give the Saints a better game, too. So, But, yeah, 6.5 feels low. Too low. That's okay. a Belichick respect. Yep.
0: Las Vegas uh, is at the Chargers. The Las Vegas Raiders are 3-0. and um, They've played a couple of good teams, actually, uh, to get to 3-0. and But they've been... All the games go down to the wire. The Chargers should be three and zero. Justin Herbert, I, I, you can tell me how good Derek Carr is this year so far, and he leads the league in yards passing. Justin Herbert is going to be a great NFL quarterback. I think the Chargers constantly come in a little bit under the radar. You know, Las Vegas gets three and a half. It's an interesting game. Who you got?
6: And it's in L.A. Former you know. Yeah. Who, do, who do you think? Who do you think is going to have more fans there? I think, the Raiders, Raiders. I
0: think the Raiders yeah. will have more fans there. I do.
6: I do, too. I think that impacts the Chargers. They're a team I like better on the road than at home. Um, give, me, give me Vegas in that hook, that, that, that extra hook there. That's, that's a, I think okay. that's a nice, nice insurance policy. Mm-hmm.
0: And the other game that we've got is Washington oh, yeah. at Atlanta. Atlanta... Beat the Giants, right? Late. Was it the Giants that they beat the yes. other day? Yes. So Atlanta stinks. <laughs> There's no other word to use. Atlanta stinks. Washington got shredded yeah. in Buffalo. They gave up. Washington's calling card is defense. They gave up 43 points. Somewhere down the road at the end of the year in week 15 or 16, you're gonna look back on the greatest upset of the year, and it's gonna be Buffalo losing okay. to pittsburgh yeah the, you're, you're going to say how did that happen how could that be washington is a road favorite in atlanta minus one and a half you've been you died with them last week who you got
6: yeah this to me feels like if they can't beat atlanta then forget yeah. it and uh <laughs> you know chase young's gonna have to drop the first name he's he's inertia. Who's he been chasing? I didn't see him chasing Josh Allen. I mean, no, I, no, it, it, no, he hadn't been doing much anyway. I know that went over like a lead balloon.
0: I tried. That was a good try. Uh,
6: <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's just this is why pretty early in the
0: morning for inertia. It's it, just it, early. know. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah. It, it is. All right. Yeah, uh, I, I just I think so lowly of the Falcons that this is one of those. If, if the football team loses this, I think the seed, You got to write the season off. You got to realize this is going to be an ugly an ugly season. This is chase. They should win this
0: game. You to, just just. To, I'm, I'm just pointing out. You took five know. road I'm teams. I'm zero for
6: three with them. Right? I've, whatever. Yeah, that, well, whatever I've done, I've been the big football team, Jinx. Right?
0: And you're taking a lot of road teams. Just so you know, a lot of road teams. <sighs> well,
4: it's
0: all right. I'm just pointing
6: I, it out. I guess the, I could do better. I could do worse than two and five. You're right. So we'll, yeah, well, well,
0: you're not losing your job. Yeah, I mean, you've, you passed the audition. You're not losing your job. Don't worry about it.
6: Oh, well, I appreciate I appreciate that. You know, the, the, obviously entertainment is worth a couple of points in this. A couple exactly. of victories is what you're saying.
0: Thank sure. you, thank you, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Bye now. Chuck Todd, boys and girls. And if we just gave you Chuck Todd, that would certainly be enough. As he hosts Meet the Press. And talks to important people every week. And after he talks to us, which is insane. <laughs> but we give you a monkey.
1: See the monkey, he's
3: scritch, scritch, scratching. Watching his iPad, smoking and laughing. Hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping. Try to sing along. Try to time it out. Let's do the zoo zoo,
2: zoo. Zoo. zoo,
3: zoo, Reginald's got the bikes. <laughs> two Sometimes he
2: throws his poo, 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 poo. He's When he's too much, much funny, Johnny walking 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 Blue. <laughs>
0: Reginald had a good week. He's two and one last week. He's 3-5 overall Had a pretty good week
3: yeah. First oh, it? winning week? Yeah, first winning week for the Monkey. He was very excited. But
0: Todd's 9 and 12 overall, so yeah. the well, Monkey's actually got a better percentage.
3: M- monkey is is hoping to build on that this week. Now, I went down to the National Zoo. Lo and behold, he was not there, Mr. Tony. It's always a little disturbing to me when he's not there, but there was a note that said he has Zoom with me, so there was a laptop there, so I Zoomed with Reginald. Turns out he's in England. He was over there for the premiere of, uh, what is it, what's the movie called? No Time to Die, the new 007 oh, movie. James Bond movie. Yeah, so he showed me some photographs of him on the red carpet with Daniel Craig, Kate Middleton of course the Duchess of Cambridge and David St. Hubbins. So it really was just a fantastic saint crowd. David St. Hubbins. Yes. How wonderful is that? Yes. yes. So uh, and he's zooming you'll be interested to no, know he it was goes zooming to 11. <laughs> he was zooming from Keith Richards the flat. The patron saint of casual footwear I believe.
0: St. Hubbins. <laughs>
3: Um, yes, so uh, he was very excited to do these, pick these games with us. Now, the first game we gave him was uh, Dallas at home uh, giving five to Carolina. Um, and this is an old um, faded photograph of him at a sandcastle building contest with Tom Landry, Bill Bates, and Larry Hagman. Of course, he famously played J.R. Ewing in the show Dallas. Clearly, he's got ties to the Dallas area, and he'll take the Cowboys okay. and give those five points. Now, the next game we gave him, I don't think this is going to be a surprise for anyone, is Minnesota at Cleveland. Um, and this is. Very Very exciting. He showed me some very recent video of him and Bud Grant going through the final training for their trip into space with Sir Richard Branson and Virgin Galactic.
0: Bud Graham would be the oldest guy into space, the toughest guy into space, and he'd wear a T-shirt while he was up there. <laughs> yes, he's would. that tough. Yes. Um,
3: by the way, the other two people on this voyage are going to be Alan Page, who's a judge now; he's yes. been a judge for, yes, a, long for time. a long time, and Al Noga. So um, oh, there you go. Yeah, okay. a couple of Als. Call yeah. me Al. Um, now, the last game, the last match, rather, we gave him was uh, the Washington football team giving a point and a half at Atlanta. Um, and again, this was an old photograph of R- uh, Reginald in a bridge tournament. Playing alongside Dale Murphy, Pasquale Perez, and Steve
0: Barkowski. So, all Atlanta guys. Yeah, so clearly he's got ties to Atlanta. Atlanta stinks. Yeah, they do. I agree with Chuck Todd that if Washington <laughs> doesn't win this one, just cash it in. <laughs> sure, just yeah. that you great. all All right, that's great. All right, we will uh, we'll take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. That right? is correct. Email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. That's Ian Warrington, the hero of Hide the Trailer. <laughs> That's his I'm musical playing later talent. today. It's just wonderful. I will find Hide the trailer. trailer. kids. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel Land? We
3: got bagel sandwiches today. Always oh, yeah. a brilliant day when we get those. Yeah, just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you, then pop on in and
0: you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say I'd like to thank a new sponsor, the makers of the Phil Leotardo safety helmet. If only Phil had been wearing this helmet on that fateful day at the Raceway gas station. <laughs> he might be still alive That's from The Sopranos Yes There's going to be a prequel Yep the- Starring James Gandolfini's son Have you seen the trailers? As, I have not oh, As yeah. young Tony Soprano, right? Yeah, yeah. looks wow. looks
3: very good I mean, the, sh- the movie itself looks brilliant Wow And he looks perfect Well,
0: Vincent Chase is involved in it Yes yeah.
3: He yeah. wrote it, right? Saints in, Saints in Newark, I think it's called Something, something like, that. like that
0: Yeah Wow Thanks to our guests today Chuck Todd and Rich Podolsky Author of the new book You're Looking Live It's good Thanks as well to today's sponsors, ZipRecruiter and WordTune. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get you through Apple Podcasts, please leave
2: us a review. I, I almost forgot. You know one reason why you will watch the PTI special? Do you uh, know who makes an appearance near the end? Uh, one, Liz Hardwick.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, oh. You, oh, really?
2: There's a clip where they're doing a bit where Wilbon returns after being away for some time, and she's, she's in the shot.
0: Oh, did, neither of you expected that. No, I did not expect expected that's that. That's fantastic. That's great. Good. Hope she gets money for that. From From Scott in Ohio. I looked at the title of Monday's show only to realize I've been mishearing the name of Tony's dog the whole time. I guess that explains why he never wrote into the show complaining about how he keeps being harassed by the lyrics of a Rick Springfield song. So it's a she, first of all, it's Chessie. Chessie. Not Jesse. Yes. It's Chessie. Michael, explain what the name Chessie, comes Chessie, she's from. a walking dog. Yeah.
2: Chessie's uh, named maybe after Chessie Creek down in uh, Okatee, South Carolina. <laughs> Which is a walking course. Chan's walking course.
0: From ja- <laughs> Shout out, Chan. Jared Gray in Lafayette, Louisiana. Hailing from South Louisiana, I immediately understood who Carver was mentioning. His friend's name is T-Boy Latchelay. In Cajun culture, T-boy is kind of like the term Bubba. It is a term of endearment from a friend, for a friend. Some will even take it as a first name or others will call all their friends T-boy. Or sometimes just T for short. Uh, Lachelet is a common Cajun French last name. T-boy Lachelet. <laughs> or as Carvel says it, <laughs> We don't understand Carval.
2: Comes in once a week. You know. Yep. Gotta get the dried goods. Yeah, no,
0: will you know, Graves you know. in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Sure, Friedman's got three Pulitzers, but what's his Thursday show? Ain't
2: yeah. going have one, kids. The point.
0: Earl Brewer, who's the owner and director of Virginia Elite Lacrosse, says, Hey, Uncle Tony, my wife and I are in the market for a new vehicle. Our 10-year-old SUV has served its purpose, and with our youngest masculine child needing a car, we're passing all reliable down to him. By the way, he's a junior at William & Mary. Yes, he's smart, not dumb. <laughs> On the list of possible replacements is the X3, the car that you, the old bald orange man, traverses the dmv and not me baby somebody else and another connection is our oldest masculine child is an engineer at bmw in spartanburg and works on fixing bugs in these fine automobiles so we got that going for us yes i have the x3 you have what what is yours i got the z4 you got the z4 right yes i do have the x3 and i love it this past weekend my wife mentioned that both of our sisters drive subarus and that on a recent trip with them Really like the car, and could we consider adding this to our list? After cleaning up the coffee that I spit onto the <laughs> kitchen floor, I tried to explain that Uncle Tony hates Subarus, and there's a little we cannot possibly have seen in one of those cars. My further explanation about owners of those cars think their kids are superior human think their kids are superior human beings and that we would soon have to add a bike rack and a Bernie in 2024 You already have the William & Mary sticker. Fell on deaf ears. Was wondering if you would mind calling her this weekend before this insanity becomes reality. I'll hang up and listen. Just don't buy it. Don't buy the Subaru. Yeah, don't do it. it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So let me get this straight. People are complaining because there is some song or some TV character with their first name. Seriously? Try being born Richard Burton in the late 60s. (laughs) I've heard every Elizabeth Taylor comment known to <clears> that. But no one, and I mean no one, has a right to complain. At one time, one of the most prominent lawyers in Indianapolis was a man named Donald Duck, born two years before Walt Disney created this the annoying true. cartoon character. He wins, we lose, so everyone, including me, can just shut up and eat it like Saliza. Signed, Richard Burton. I looked in that up, it's true. Donald Duck. <laughs> Yes, Abraham in Silver Spring. Dear Mr. Tony, you talk with Richard Justice about the strong home field advantage of Toronto's sports team shouldn't surprise anyone. After all, everyone knows those Midwesterners sure love their sports teams. They do. From Ben Brunner, the producer at WBOC-TV Salisbury, Maryland, which I'm sure we get on the dial in, uh, in Delaware. I was just watching Family Feud and I had a David Aldridge moment. One of the contestants was a University of Maryland graduate who had several internships, including one at PTI. He even name-dropped name dropped you. His name is Isaiah. Do you recall him? Of course not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember yesterday. It was Cliffy. No. They're all Cliffys
2: Did he forget the M&Ms?
0: Tim Brunner. I don't know. And from Amtrak, Nikki. Dear Mr. Amtrak Guest Rewards member, the next time you're on 404 heading to the beach, give me a call from the car and we can talk about trains. That's it. <laughs> That's the email. If you're out on your bike, time to everyone, as always, do wear white.
1: Hola, nosotros somos Pineapple Landscape y escuchamos el show de Tony Kornheiser. Pero este show apesta.
0: Replace the tree, Finn. He has a plan. <laughs> Put yourself in my
4: shoes. And take a look at my moves Rock and roll on street blues From shuffle dance to swing tunes Put yourself in my shoes Sneakers, sandals or boots Does it look like I'm cool When I dance like a fool What's the matter with you? Don't you wanna cut loose? Moves like that are all Put yourself in my shoes. Count your loafers on me.